outline for you to follow today. I'm going to give you five action words based out of Psalm 37. We're going to talk today about trusting God. And that's a subject everyone needs to give some attention to. These five action words that are deducted from Scripture will help you trust God. I think it's going to hit a lot of different categories in life. If you want to check in on Facebook, we all always love it when you do that. That lets people know that the church at Indian Lake is here, available for them. I played football for a small Christian college in Kansas. And I want to emphasize the word small because it was a very, very small college, but it was a great experience. And there was a friend of mine who for three years I would split time with. We were in the same grade and we played the same position. And he was a friend of mine in life, but not necessarily on the football field. He was my enemy on the football field. We call that today, the new term is a frenemy. Have you heard about that? You're kind of friends and you're kind of enemies. And that's how it was with Ray. So Ray, he and I both had strengths and weaknesses at the position that we played. And so between the two of us, we made one kind of okay player. So this particular week, my last year to play, we're playing the one team that I wanted to beat the most. This was a team that I had kind of a personal grudge against. And a lot of my family were flying or driving up to Kansas for this particular game. And I had an injury uh, that I didn't really tell the trainer about because the rule was if you don't practice, you don't get to play and, and don't get to play as much for sure. Well, on that particular Monday, while, while I'm fighting through this injury, Ray comes up with this mysterious injury no one had noticed on Sunday, on, on Saturday's game. And, and he's not practicing. I knew because I was in the dorm with him that I thought he was just kind of skipping out. I thought he was just skipping out. But he said, hey, guys, I got this hamstring injury. I, I, can't, I can't practice, and I don't know if I can play Sunday. So he missed Monday's practice and Tuesday's practice and Wednesday's practice. And about Wednesday, I know I'm not supposed to gloat in my frenemy's demise, but I'm thinking this is pretty cool. The one game that's important to me, I'm going to get to play pretty much the whole game. Even sent that message down to Texas to the people who were coming, and I'm feeling really good about this. We go to Thursday's practice, which is the easiest practice of the week. It's where you just wear T-shirt and shorts and helmet. That's it. And Ray shows up to that practice, and he doesn't look injured at all. In fact, since I was dealing with this nagging injury, I was a little little slower than usual. He was faster than ever, and, and he looked great. And I'm like, what in the world? So our position coach asked him a question right in front of me. He said, Ray, what in the world happened? And he said, well, this morning at chapel, I prayed, and the Lord healed me. Now, normally in a church service, someone would be like, oh, hallelujah, praise God for his healing power. But we were at a school that really didn't believe in healing in that way. I mean, I never saw anyone healed. No, didn't see anyone prayed for healing. I mean, we didn't like lay hands and pray for that kind of thing at that particular school. So that was one issue. The other issue is I had been at chapel that morning with Ray. And I had been at chapel with him the three years previously. And Ray did not pray in chapel. Ray slept in chapel for four years. In fact, he, this is no exaggeration, he had a nasal issue in his life, and so he would actually snore almost every chapel for four years. I would hear him snore. It was a joke. The preacher would be preaching, and he would be snoring at 20 years old because of this nasal issue. And so 
I, I just did not believe the story, and, and no one else did either, but they were glad to have an extra player. Uh, my other teammates thought the whole thing was hilarious, and I was ticked off. I was so mad. Uh, now I can laugh at it a little bit more, but it made me think of this for you. Do you have someone in your life who seems to always get away with it? Someone in your life that always somehow comes out on top. Supervisors or coaches or managers, whatever the case is, they don't seem to notice the corners this person cuts or maybe their lack of punctuality or their lack of effort. And somehow at the end, they end up pulling it off. It's so irritating, isn't it? It can be irritating. Maybe you're a teacher and it's a, another teacher on your hallway. Maybe it's a neighbor who as they wax their new brand new sports car, they brag once again on all the awards their kids have gotten in school. Um, maybe it's someone in the sales department who has that kind of sweetheart, that kind of sweetheart customer who always helps them reach quota by the end of the month. And, and it can be kind of frustrating and irritating. Well, this is what right away, this is what I believe God wants you to hear today. Don't let them be your concern. Don't waste your energy worried about them. Don't waste time being obsessed with somebody else. Just right away, as we start this teaching today, I, I want to help you. I want to help you get about your task and not worry about others. The Psalms, which is a collection of songs, talks about this theme on a regular basis. And it's not so much so casual as playing time for a small college football team or maybe even punctuality at the workplace. In the Psalms, it's talking about a much deeper contrast, the contrast between righteousness and evil. What happens when evil people prosper? We're going to look at Psalms 37 today. We're not going to necessarily go in sequence because we're going to look at five different themes within Psalm 37. And all five of these themes are calling us to trust God. It's calling us to trust God for different reasons and under different circumstances, but it's really clear. And let's talk about the first thing. The first action word is this, ignore, ignore. When other people seem to get ahead and you're overlooked, God wants you to ignore that. Psalms 37 verse one says it this way. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Later on in the same song, verse 7, the theme continues. It says it this way. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. For they carry out their wicked schemes. Verse 8. Refrain from evil. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. That's good stuff, isn't it? Should I go ahead and give the blessing and let's just all go home early and think about the scripture for a little bit? It, it could. You get paid to be here, so you can't say amen. <laughs> But the depth of this scripture is so strong. I know it applies to all of us. Don't fret 
a lot of the times we're not trusting God because we're obsessed with other people. We're not trusting God because our eyes are on other people. We're not trusting God because we think other people are getting ahead and we're getting behind. And we're not seeing that God's timeline for us is right for us. God's timeline for someone else is right for them. So it is that this scripture is dealing with this great difference between evil and righteousness, but we can certainly apply that to personality differences and preferences too. Don't worry about another person. That other person is not your concern. That other person is not where your focus should be. One of the reasons we have regular worship is because we need to regularly, I don't know if I can say that, on a consistent basis, consistently be reminded of who God is in our life. So that's what we're here to do today, getting our eyes back on Jesus, on the gospel, on the scripture, and not on these other people who may be getting ahead of us in our own timeline. A lot of times it's not the fact that it's an issue between us and other people, though. As we move towards our next action word, sometimes the issues are between us and God. Sometimes we're dealing with doubt with God. And it could be doubting the existence of God. I know that a lot of us deal with that in some measure or the other. But for most of us, it may not be that today. We're just doubting maybe the promises of God. We're doubting the faithfulness of God. We're doubting the timing of God. And when we, we do that, when we begin to walk in doubt... We're not walking in trust. We're not trusting in God's character. We're not trusting who he is. Today is October 2nd. How many can say hallelujah for October, right? Well, no one said that, but you groaned at me, which is close enough, you know? No one said hallelujah for October, but I, I felt the groan of approval. Yeah, October is cool. October is cool. It's a great month. There's a lot of uh, fairs and carnivals and haunted houses those type of things here in October. So there's a lot of temporary structures that we're exposed to. If you've ever gone to a temporary wall and you go to that wall and you're wondering, can this, can this wall hold me up if I lean against it? So you don't, you don't necessarily put all your weight on it, but you lean into it and you test it. And the more you lean, the more confidence you get, the more strength you get. When we're doubting God, when we're doubting God, one of the best things we can do what I try to do is to lean into God. The enemy wants us to do the opposite. The enemy wants to isolate us. The enemy wants us to go somewhere by ourselves, away from the community of God and just to meditate on this doubt instead of leaning into the things of God, leaning into the purposes of God, instead of, instead of trusting him through activity. What we want to do is, is deactivate we want to shut down. We want to get off by ourselves. But what I try to do, and I'm going to suggest to you too, is to lean into your devotional life. Lean into your service. Lean into the fruits of the Spirit and the love of God. Lean into those life-giving relationships. Don't, don't disengage. Engage. Don't deactivate. Activate. That's why the second action word here is activate. Activate. Now back to our text today. Psalms 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. These things are connected. We're going to look at verse three on the next three points here. 
It's a powerful, powerful part of the passage. Trust in the Lord and do good. Part of trusting the Lord is the activity in our life. When we're walking in fear, when we're walking in doubt, when we're disengaged, we get inactive. We don't get about the Lord's business. We don't lean into the things of God. We don't lean into the promises of God. And I'm here to remind you through the scripture today that if you're struggling with doubt, if you're struggling with trust, the worst thing you can do, I wouldn't say the worst thing, but one of the worst things is on the list is to pull out of the things of God. Pull back from activity. Engage. Engage in that. Instead of inactivity, ask God to increase your faith. The apostle said this in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. said, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith, cause our faith to grow, cause our, our, our faith in you to be better than it was before. The apostle Paul was writing Timothy and he wrote him this encouragement that will encourage you also in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And I love this first part. I included this intentionally because it talks about relationship and roots Clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and that I'm also convinced is in you also. I want to remind you that the kingdom of God is relational. It's about relationship. It's about a closeness. It's about roots. Because he knew Timothy, because he knew Timothy's grandmother, because he knew Timothy's mother, he was able to speak this into Timothy's life. Paul wrote this word in verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, this gift that he received through the impartation of the church. Uh, Paul is saying, keep that ablaze, keep that on fire. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. How many of those are great descriptors? For the type of life we need. A life of power, a life of love, and a life of sound judgment. That sound judgment part keeps us out of a lot of trouble. Keeps us out of a lot of missteps. This gift was given to you. And the scripture here tells us, keep that ablaze. Another version of this same exact passage says, stir up the gift of God in you. Don't let it get stale. Don't let it get old. Stir it up. Set ablaze. Fan into flame that gift of God. That's another version. Set a, keep ablaze the gift of God. Let that fire not go out. Don't let that fire extinguish. Don't let that spiritual life get stale. Engage. Get involved. Step in. Lean into the things of God. I'm aware that some of you are really struggling today to trust God. And, and maybe even emotionally, it's hard for you to trust God. Can I just tell you that when it's hard for you to trust God, keep doing the things you know what to do. Because by doing that, verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. By continuing to do the things God's called us to do, when we do that, it will keep things ablaze in our heart. Sometimes we trust the Lord. Here's a third word. When we stay. Sometimes God calling us often to stay. Now, Jackie's an example of someone who we sent out from this church. And God called her to go. But most of the time, if the Lord hasn't clearly said to go, it is good for us to trust the Lord and to stay in the situation in which he is working. 
Verse 3 again says it this way. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Dwell in the land. Be at the place that God's called you to be. There is a power in longevity. Some of the greatest spiritual fruit we'll ever experience happens by staying. Spiritual fruit, we don't like to hear this as Americans, but spiritual fruit takes time. It takes repetition. It takes faithfulness. But the Lord is calling many of us today. If we're not in a destructive situation, obviously if you're in an abusive, destructive situation, the Lord doesn't want you to stay in that. I'm not suggesting that at all, whether it's physical abuse, mental abuse, even spiritual abuse. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that if the Lord hasn't clearly spoken to you by his Holy Spirit, or there hasn't been a clear violation of Scripture, stay in that situation. Stay in that relationship. Stay in that location. Stay at the place God's called you because your greatest fruit may be the next day, the next hour. And that's part of the roots that we have. The power of longevity gives us the roots and the consistency that we need to be fruitful people. Our youth ministry has been sending kids to the beach for a lot of years now. And the first year or two we did that, we only had a handful of kids, and so we sent them in, in a van or two. And that was worrisome to me because our youth staff was driving, and it wasn't worrisome because it was youth staff, because we vetted them, looked at the driving record, and all the responsible things you are supposed to do. But it was just worrisome because it was a long ways. It was a long trip. I didn't feel that comfortable. So early on, our leadership board made a decision to go ahead and hire a professional bus and charter that before we really needed that numerically. And now we do need that numerically. But that decision for that particular trip was a wise decision because when we hired the professional touring company, uh, their bus drivers were accustomed to driving so far. Um, They they, uh, were obligated by state law to have a certain amount of sleep in correlation with how many miles they drive. And they just knew what they were doing, and the youth staff and youth pastor could spend time with the kids, and the professional driver could drive. And my comfort level and my enjoyment of these trips went, went up dramatically. Sometimes I was on the trip, and when I was on the trip, I, I, didn't, I was able to hang out with kids and have that fellowship that we would have. And then in more recent years, I'm here at the here in Hendersonville, we pray over them and still trust God and send them off. Then I go to bed, which is much more enjoyable. And sleeping, we're trusting God, but we also know that they're in capable professional hands. And we use this as a metaphor for our life that when we know we've got the right person driving the bus, we have the right person in charge, it makes the trip so much more enjoyable. I want you to write this third or fourth word. I'm used to three points, so the five thing is throwing me off. So the word enjoy. So we've got, that's the fourth word, enjoy. That's what Psalm 37, verse, now we go back to verse three, but we'll move into verse four through six now. Enjoy safe pasture. Here's a famous verse that you may have heard before. Delight yourself in the Lord, 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. What a beautiful scripture for us. When we do the part by his grace, commit our ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he'll do this. You do what God's called you to do, and he will do this. He'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn. You know what I believe that means? It means that new things are coming in your life, just like the dawn brings up the sun. There's a new stuff coming into your life, new stuff. And then it gets better and better until that new thing is up like the noonday sun, illuminating everything, making everything brighter. This is what happens for those who trust the Lord. This is what happens for those who trust the Lord. Some of us, though, trust is not something we enjoy. So we trust God very suspiciously. As if to say, uh, well, I guess we'll just trust God. <laughs> I guess we'll just do that. I don't know if he's going to come through. Or we trust God begrudgingly. We're like, well, I guess we're just going to have to trust God on this. Of course, I've used those tones too. I'm not necessarily speaking against the tone. I'm just saying that in the bigger picture, God's called us to trust him joyfully because it's so much better when he's in charge. It's so much better when we're giving him control. It's so much better when instead of going to that place of anxiety and stress, we truly trust him. We truly trust his timing. We really, we really trust that he's arranging the circumstances of our life. Going back to this metaphor of the dawn, you know this is the darkest part of the night is right before the dawn. And that's when you have to trust God the most. But morning comes, the dawn comes, the favor of the Lord comes, new opportunities, that's what the Lord has for us. So it is that the last action word I want to give you is the word rest. Rest is something that some of us are not very good at. You know that when, we're, when we don't rest, it's not just that we're irritable, which that's obvious. A lot of our irrational thoughts come from a lack of rest, a lack of sleep. And everything seems worse. Everything's more dramatic. Everything is just a bigger deal when we're not getting correct rest. This is what verse 7 says of Psalm 37. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still. Rest in God. There's a rest that comes in trusting God. When you're trusting God, you, your soul can be at rest. Your spirit can be at rest. There's not this striving. The last scripture I want to share with you today is a beautiful scripture from Lamentations chapter 3. One of the reasons I want to share this is because if you read Lamentations in your Bible reading plan, way to go. Some years I get to Lamentations, some years I don't. But this is in there and it's really good. Come on, Beth. It's Lamentations 3.21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. 
It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Look at that first verse in verse 21 again. This verse 21 says this, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This is what I call to mind, therefore I have hope. This is why this weekly worship is here for you today, so your mind can get back engaged on where your hope needs to be. I'm going to call the hope the things of the Lord, and this is, I'm going to let my mind get back on a positive Jesus-centered message. The mercies of the Lord never come to an end. They are new every morning. There's a new mercy for every day. There's a new mercy for every problem. There's a new mercy for every single challenge and circumstance. There's a new mercy for every opportunity. It's new, new. There's something fresh coming from the Lord. There's something fresh that's coming from the Lord. And we believe that today. Let's pray together. I want to pray for you today. Thank you, Jesus. There's a new, a freshness from the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand just in the attitude of prayer. Attitude of prayer. We've designed this service to give you time with the Lord at the end of the service today. And that's what we're here to do today. We designed the service to give you time with the Lord. There is a freshness with the Lord. The Lord wants you to know today that the mercy that He has for you is fresh, it's new. You might say, well, I've heard this message before. Maybe even you've, you know these scriptures before. You, you've memorized Proverbs 3, 5. Maybe you even knew the Lamentation scripture. You, you may have preached that before, taught that before, seen that before, but the Lord says it's new for you today. It's new for you today. There's a new issue. Your heart's at a different place. Your circumstances at a different place. There's a new mercy for this. The Lord wants you to know that there's a new mercy for this service that wasn't here for the 9 a.m. service. This is, this is true. This is of the Lord. There's a new mercy that's here for this service that wasn't here for the, the first service. Uh, this is not, this is because God loves you. He loves you completely. And he is calling you to the posture of trust. He's calling you to the place of trust. He's calling you no longer. He does not want his children to be in the fear, the fear that causes unreasonable anxiety there's a reason to trust the Lord today. There's a reason to trust. We have a reason to trust our